politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, our future as sentient human beings. It is all on the line here this week on uh, Wednesday, the 12th of July. And my brain is just spinning so quickly. I, I feel like the last few days I've been trying to do the work of an entire think tank of an entire movement that we don't have. I'm jumping around from inflation stuff, the defense bill, appropriation bills, working on the pandemic and hazard preparedness reauthorization bill, you know, addressing, again, those top eight to ten issues we talk about affecting our ability to live in an economy, our health, our life, liberty, property, everything, civilization, culture, and it just feels like there's nobody there with us. I cannot find other people trying to do this work. What is the purpose of the obsessive focus on elections if you don't do anything with it? Every one of my colleagues, this is true before Trump, certainly during and after Trump, still true. Basically, politics boil down to every two years, vote Republican. You got to win or keep Congress for the Republican Party. You have to have a Republican president. But then every day in between, when you have all the leverage points, all the issues, all the opportunities to drive a narrative to eventually drive policy outcomes on whatever issues you're griping about at the time, they're missing in action. So again, what is the purpose of winning? Presumably to do stuff, right? You You don't want a Democrat in charge of Congress. We were all told Republicans have to win Congress. All right, so they won the House, narrow majority. They won the House. Okay, so why do you want them to win the House? Just so you could say that they have X number of seats? No, well, presumably because you want to do things. So what I do is I focus on, okay, well, well, what are the most important things that we need to do? And... Again, we'll we'll talk about medical freedom, the weaponization of the government agencies persecuting and censoring and surveilling us, the border, the tranny stuff, the the DEI, the you know, racism, the green energy stuff, up and down the gambit, the Ukraine funding, all of that. And then you have these Budget bills, debt ceilings, and must-pass or quasi-must-pass reauthorization bills, FISA, pandemic reauthorization, farm bill, and of course the defense authorization bill. And this is where it all comes to the foray. And on each one, sometimes imperfectly, but you have roughly, broadly speaking, the leadership members of the Freedom Caucus and most of the rank-and-file members broadly, sometimes a little bit off message and not completely, fighting for those prerogatives and those leverage points and those strategies. And on each one, I'm finding it's like there's no firestorm from the talking, chirping mouths that influenced kind of the, you know, most intense part of the Republican voting base. All it is is soap opera promoting the newest flavor of the day, person, or topic. And with the Trump. And that's pretty much it. 
And I, I just I just don't get it. And again, this goes well beyond the presidential primary. Although you do wonder if it kind of reflects that. So I want to delve into this and much more. First, our sponsor today, Birch Gold. Um, essential banks in countries like China, India, and Australia, about 20 others, are beginning to transition to digital currency. The Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same here. Obviously, that is going to be the judge, jury, and executioner on your ability to live freely and be able to participate in the economy. They're going to freeze your assets. These are some reasons of concern why Americans are reaching out to Birch Gold. They want to have a physical asset for you that's independent from the U.S. dollar, gold held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, like an IRA and 401k. So if you want to learn if gold is right for you, text Daniel to 989898, and they'll send you a free info kit on gold. Again, they have a Better Business Bureau rating of A-plus for many years, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. So text Daniel to 989898. Claim your free info kit on gold today because if a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, boy, it will be nice to have some gold when you need it. And especially, again, we are in an inflation trap. I want, if we have time, talk about that, these lies about the CPI going down and inflation's going down. Not true. Um, so anyway, j- just just to finish this point before we get to kind of updating some of the specifics on um, where we're headed on the NDAA and the budget bills. But I just want to, the first half of this show, talk about what my colleagues aren't talking about before I actually talk about it to raise the importance. So if you look back to the election of the Republicans taking over the House, there is a train of events that connect with each other and that have determined and will determine policy outcomes. And it began with the Speaker's fight with McCarthy. And it was shocking. Among the top names in conservative media, they either were neutral or they downright sided with McCarthy. And what we're finding now is all these battles, the debt ceiling, which we got rolled on, a trillion and more debt since it was passed five weeks ago, the NDAA and the budget bills, there's a fight between the Freedom Caucus and leadership. Again, each one of these things. And the contours of our success on those issues hinged upon that first battle where we were pretty successful, but because Trump and all of his accolades and all the losers, or acolytes, and all of the losers in conservative media dumped on the Freedom Caucus. Rather than giving them tailwinds, they gave them headwinds. So it, it rushed the resolution one to three days too early. And, and, and the difference between success and failure on these leverage points ultimately was determined in the margins by what McCarthy ambiguously agreed to, or what he completely agreed to, and that was all sabotaged by that. This is so important to go back to that. So on each one, the McCarthy fight itself, the debt ceiling fight, the uh, the Freedom Caucus retaliation when they held up the rules, like no one was cheering them on like I was, and now with the probe spills in the NDAA, 
including, by the way, on the issues that they claim to care about most, which are like January 6th in Ukraine, not so much spending levels, not so much the training stuff, and certainly not so much the vaccine, but on these issues, they're dead silent. So this is what I understand. Tucker, we are told, magically, his one, he's a single-issue voter now. It's on Ukraine. And I, I agree with him on the issue. So nothing else matters. And again, strategically picked Ukraine because on paper, that's if you have to look at Trump's record of being very inconsistent to terrible on issues, that's the one on paper in rhetoric you could say is the best. So strategically picks that, which is very interesting. But then when the rubber meets the road with the defense authorization bill and we have amendments on the table to cut off funding or at least conditions of funding to Ukraine, Tucker is nowhere to be seen. And again, when I say Tucker, I mean all the way down. I'm picking the most prominent voice and really probably the most on-message voice. And it certainly gets worse from there. Well, Daniel, he's still kind of in transitions. He has a Twitter account. The last time I checked. If he would say the things I'm saying, that would make a huge difference. So instead, we got this two and a half hour interview with this guy, Tate Andrews. I don't even know much about him. I don't know what the deal is. But it's kind of weird. It's like we're told by conservative media what to care about, what to focus about. Who's the latest hero? Ooh, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Like, whoa, okay. You know, you have these kind of like celebrity type of people that aren't like prototypical conservative. And they'll say something because the world is so far to the left, so screwed up. And they'll say something we agree with. Okay, and and that's great. Use them as an ally. But they don't suddenly become our thought leader, our our general in the army. You kind of pick them up as a adjacent. But so now now this guy is suddenly like everyone's like talking about him. I'm like, what is so great about him? Even if you believe that he's being persecuted by Romania and the charges of, of human trafficking is so totally not true. Sex trafficking. The guy clearly doesn't the things he admits to doing is not something I mean we should be proud of. Now, if he does amazing things for us on policy, it would be one thing, but I'm just like, okay, so you do two and a half hours with him. He's suddenly, that's where all the grifters are are gravitating to him now. It's funny. Don't think the right doesn't have their own LGBT care. Like, you know how the left all of a sudden makes something a thing? The the, the needle, the, the rainbow flag, the Ukrainian flag, the green energy uh, banning straws, right? They have these obsessions. The right has them too. Notice I don't necessarily focus on the people and issues that all my colleagues do on a given day. They have their own just like groupiness. And that's really what it's become. It's not about civilization change. It's not about policy outcomes. But if you obsess about elections, isn't that what it's all about? So I, I want to I wanna focus a little bit more tied together this Tucker thing with the forum that he's going to do in Iowa on Friday with the presidential candidates minus one prominent individual and how that ties into the NDAA and some of these issues. But first, our next segment is sponsored by our friends at Barrel Buddy. Um, look, you got to clean out the gunk. 
we could actually use a barrel buddy in the conservative movement. It just you you push the cartridge through your barrel and boom, it scrubs, collects the particulates, and then absorbs the residue and buffs clean in one shot. So it's a multi-stage cleaning. It's disposable. You get 50 of these cartridges uh, for about 15 bucks if you go to barrelbuddy.com. It's the quickest way to clean. It's the cleanest way to clean. Um, it is the most efficient way to clean your gun. No lint or shedding like you have with these fibers, these cloths that you put in. And you actually see the cleanliness. I've used it on all my guns by now. You should, too. Don't let your guns go unclean. Barrelbuddy.com for just 15 bucks for one cartridge. Make, uh, 50, uh, 50 cartridges, one packet. Make sure you get the right uh, caliber, obviously, for your gun. So the point I'm trying to make is I, I don't expect Tucker or anyone else to be a replica of my show. I understand maybe I'll be a little bit more focused on legislation and policy than others, and that's fine. You want to have your focus. But this is something that to some degree we all need. You need messaging. You need humor. You need satire is very important. You, you, need, a, you need a lot of different things. You need fundraising. Obviously, you need money in order to have a movement. But ultimately, what is it you want to accomplish on the playing field? And it's like, even on the issues where they'll, they'll broach the issues, like Ukraine, they'll dance around in a circle. So all your allies in Congress that agree with you on Ukraine are fighting it, and it's kind of teetering right now. There's a stalemate. Basically, just a quick update as of midday on Wednesday. So Rules Committee... Approved 290 amendments. I don't know if they're going to vote on all of them. That would take forever. The What they did is because there is an impasse between the GOP leadership and the Freedom Caucus on the so-called controversial issues, meaning the, the green energy stuff in the military, the gender stuff in the military, the racism in the military, um, the Ukraine funding, the COVID stuff, all that kind of thing, um, even cutting funding of wasteful programs in the military – switching funding to the border, all the things that I outlined. So, so far, none of the 27 amendments that I supported have been made in order. Now, it doesn't mean they won't, but they're at a standoff. So what they did is they approved the so-called non-controversial ones, and then they're having a second-day markup today. So it's teetering. But this is the point that it should be all hands on deck. Where is this? There's an interesting statement. Texas Representative Michael Burgess. He's an old bull establishment type. He, he, he made a plea to um, Mike Rogers, who's the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, to better educate the rank-and-file members on Ukraine. Help us get access to the same type of info that you're getting. Military support for Ukraine has been significantly unpopular in parts of the country. So... It, it demonstrates, like I told you, on paper, we're winning on the issues. On paper, the public is getting on their case, especially in these red districts. The Republicans, voters don't want it. They're like, why are you funding Ukraine? So it's funny. Burgess is like, you got to, I don't know what to say. You, you, you guys have like compelling information, right? Go, go share it with me. <laughs> it's so funny. Could you imagine if 
Tucker on down, rather than just saying, I hate neocons, interventionists in the abstract, would say, here are the amendments. We have the NDAA right now. Call your members and support them. Do you understand what that would do? Tucker, do you want to make a difference or not? Even on his number one issue. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's the same thing like with the vaccines. Like half of half of our guys, or not our guys, but some of these talk show hosts, if you know who I mean, were downright on the wrong side of the vaccine issue. Okay? So but the other half, there, there are a lot of others, these publications, and, and you could think of them types. That they, they, they were like, you know, eating it up. And in fact, there is one guy I won't mention who is probably the, among the top three DeSantis haters and Trump promoters that has, has put out a lot of stuff on the vaccine. And in fact, he DM'd me about an article I wrote wanting to know the source behind it or whatever. He was very interesting. And you know what? I wasn't rude to him despite his disgusting behavior, frankly, but I care about the issue. So, okay, you want to report on it, fine. I'm more about the issue than the person. And I always was, always will be. But I'm thinking like, so you sh- you claim to care about it. And I think in the recess of your heart and brain, there's an element that clearly does care about it. But you won't hold Trump accountable one bit. You won't push it where it matters. The person who is most influential by far, like, oh, he's a million points ahead. Okay, all the more so it's an indictment. The fact that you don't get policy pledges and commitments from the guy, especially knowing that he's problematic on many issues. Look, nobody could deny the show I did last week with Ken Cuccinelli, who is one of the most base people in his admin on immigration, Deputy DHS Secretary, and he said, look, he, he, he spelled out chapter and verse the problems we have with Trump on execution. Nobody could deny those problems. Everyone, all my colleagues that are putting their head down, they know it's true. So what are you going to do about it? You could even still support him for president, but at least nudge him. But no, nothing. It's become a groupiness that this is the flavor of the day. These are the people we elevate. These are the iwi people we stay away from. These are the issues and topics we discuss. And even when once in a while they'll indulge all our issues, it's nothing more than talking point deep. That's all it is. Talking point deep. Because they won't go in for the kill. Oh, it's a good talking point. Uh, disability numbers went up, you know, so the vaccine's injuring people. Okay, but but you're going to pressure them on the HHS appropriations bill, on the PAWPAW reauthorization bill? You're going to pressure the these people running for president, starting with Trump and then Senate, to get on the right side? No. Vote Trump, vote Republican, Democrats suck, the media sucks. What are you going to do about it? And the reason why I'm picking on Trump today, on, on Tucker, following up from Monday's show, is because Tucker is doing the first forum where people, where he, he's, he's supposedly, everyone agrees, he is the best person to do this. Okay. So he's going to ask tough questions. He's going to grill the presidential candidates. And that's something we should really want. In fact, As I'm saying this, I could picture this itself being a Tucker monologue. 
I could picture the facial expressions and the words he would use saying exactly what I'm saying. But the one man who matters most that we are told, 90% chance he'll win the nomination, so he's the one that you should want the commitments on the issues the most because he is the most relevant, is Donald J. Effin Trump. And that man said he is not attending the event. And not only that, his senior advisor, Jason Miller, said yesterday he's, quote, unlikely, unquote, to participate in any debates. How is that okay? Any other person who did that would be slaughtered by conservative media. Whether you support them, not support them, like them, not like their personality. But you're telling Republican voters you're going you're gonna to evacuate yourself from the most important opportunity to lay down red lines and markers on where you stand on the issues that matter to conservative voters. I don't understand how we're okay with that. I don't understand that. Again, for my purposes, I don't want Trump, so I'm actually happy he's ducking out of the family leader event on Friday because it could only harm him. So I'm, I'm happy he's doing it. But I'm just saying, I don't. not a single person... You know what I mean. Go down the iTunes list of the top 50 names. Name me a single one that will raise any... That, that is a big story. And, and like, usually it's like, well, I don't want to participate in some rhino event or, you know, the liberal media's moderate. This is Tucker Carlson himself doing it. And Tucker himself won't call him out. Everyone's like, Tucker's going to grill everyone. Well... Yeah, but there's one man you can't grill because he doesn't want to come. So will you grill him on not coming? Especially after you just said he's the greatest man in 100 years. And has basically tacitly supported him. You don't have a problem with that? Like, typically, the way it works in this industry is everything is built off of not morality, not who's in the right, but access. Who kisses my ring? So if you go on someone's show, they'll be more likely to support you than if you don't, right? But Tucker is so up Trump's ass that even though he's he is literally boycotting Tucker's like most influential event he's ever done being the first moderator in the first now it's not a debate, it's like a, a one, you know, a, a person by person forum. But, you know, he has the keys to the castle in Iowa, first one and 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 the the by far the most prominent candidate is boycotting him. He won't utter. Can you imagine if DeSantis said, "I'm skipping that"? Tucker would slaughter the hell out of him. That is just being a hack. I'm sorry that that silence. Oh, Andrew Tate. I'll discuss that. Won't discuss the most influential leverage point on Ukraine, which is the defense authorization bill. No, 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 no. So even the issues you say you care about, it's talking point deep so instead what they're trying to do is like well DeSantis won't go to Turning Point USA's event well what is a private organization's event that is that is having Don Jr. and Roger Stone like like didn't values matter we all say we're against grooming but then we'll have Bruce Jenner and Roger Stone be like leaders I, I don't understand that so it's full of Trump's people like yeah why should he go well, Daniel, 
the Iowa event is Bob Vanderplatz. He's he's anti-Trump. Yeah, but Bob is irrelevant. They're sponsoring the event, but it's Tucker who is doing the moderating of the most important aspect of it. And he's at least tacitly a Trump guy. And and, and, and what bothers me is this. See, if I knew that Tucker deep down really had some intellectual argument that he, he loved Trump, it would be one thing. But we now know from his private messages that he knows everything I'm telling you he knows and he agrees with. Yet still, this is what he'll do. That is how destructive this group think is. They are so scared to cross each other. It's like all of them kind of get together and like, oh, this is good. This is bad. This is cool. Kind of like teenage girls. It's like a click. Oh, this is a cool Andrew Tate. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So they all got together and made it clear that no matter how bad Trump screws us on something, they won't utter a word. And no matter how good DeSantis does something, they won't utter a word. Let me say this. Tucker is one of the few people on the right. And and that's why I'm picking on him because he's the best of them. But you still see where he stops short. He, He opposed criminal justice deform. The jailbreak agenda. Now... If you're like an anti-globalist, anti-Soros, Coke, neocon, you know, all the stuff you hear from the MAGA crowd, the criminal justice deform agenda is like the armpit of that. It's literally the Coke libertarians together with Soros funding all of these bills in Republican legislatures promoting it. DeSantis vetoed now three of these bills, almost two of them unanimously Passed by his Republican supermajority. That's a big deal. I don't think you understand what that... Let me put a finer point on it. I looked into the lobbying. You could see in Florida's disclosure, the legislature, who lobbies for a specific bill. One of the people lobbying in support of one of the jailbreak bills, it was either the juvenile jailbreak or the expungement of records, was Americans for Prosperity. It's a Coke-funded group. Now, they do some things we agree with, you know, on limited government, certain programs, but they're, they're kind of bad on crime and immigration. That's, you know, and, and, and immigration, I don't know how much they engage on, but crime, they definitely do. I happen to know that AFP is actually tacitly in New Hampshire indirectly supporting DeSantis. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, Trump's a big government guy, so a lot of the libertarians, for their own reasons, don't want Trump because of the spending and things like that. So you would think DeSantis would, like, stay away from No! The fact that he will create consensus around his candidacy from certain donors and whatever, and he will still be, he will he will veto their bill. If you understand the politics of that issue, you cannot understand the once-in-a-generation courage and just intellect it takes to do what he did. That's a big deal. If you are Tucker, and Tucker, I know he understands this. Again, you don't have to support him for president. You can even still support Trump for president. Won't ever, you, you still have to call when they're appropriate, the balls on DeSantis and the strikes on Trump, but he won't do it. That's what I've noticed. It's all about the the, the clique. They kind of got together and decided these are the people we'll promote. These are the ones we won't. 
These are the interviews we'll do. <clears throat> these are the ones we won't. These are the issues we'll touch. These are the ones we won't. And even when we touch these, it will only be in this way. In other words, in the way to basically lead us down the road to hell. And you see this in reverse too. <clears throat> like, for example, Carrie Lake and the entire Trump world is now attacking Kim Reynolds. Now, I was never that into her. She's kind of second tier, but a huge drop off from DeSantis. Like, she's not going to fight carbon capture and the special interest there. On things like abortion, she'll she'll be good on, um, you know, grading on a curve. She's better than most other Republican governors. There's nothing extraordinary and nowhere near DeSantis. But, you know, the fact that she's she hasn't officially endorsed him, but clearly is showing favor towards him in Iowa, well, that tells me something about her. So now the Trump world and Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake is just viciously attacking her. And I'm thinking like, Carrie, three minutes ago, you would have had no problem with her. Okay, and it's not because like my concerns, like she could have done more in the legislative session to lead on. No, 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 that's not what they care about. It, it's become a click. You're either with Trump or you're against it. If you're against Trump, you could be doing the greatest things on the issues, you're dirt. You could be with Trump and you could literally be Bruce Jenner, the lead groomer of the generation, and it's all good. It is all good. That is what I cannot relate to. It's disgusting. And it is, at its core, why we are where we are. So that's the thing. The, the right is like the left in that there's this sudden and visceral focus on who and what you should care about. And it's just pathetic. So I'm just going to say it's indefensible with Trump bowing out of the Tucker event and signaling he's not going to attend. Not just signaling. I mean, his, his top advisor said he's not, he's unlikely to go to any debate. For a guy like Tucker not to utter a word about that, that, look, you know, you have a limited amount of content. You know, you could focus on this, this, day, that. I, you can't focus on everything. I get that. But to not utter a word about Trump, there's something wrong there. There's something very dark there. And again, you don't have to get up there and even say, this guy's up, he's up. Uh, you know, you could even still support him, but nudge him to the right direction. You know, one of the things I like about the DeSantis world is like, what no matter how much he does, if there's any like concern of a donor believing in this, or, like your donor's third cousin did this, or you know you're not speaking enough about this, people will be on his case, and that that's kind of a good thing. I, you know, I mean, you don't want to cannibalize your own, but you know you want to you want to pressure your people to the right. Like that's the good thing. He will always be on a short leash. Whereas Trump, his top guys and his own statements could be on the other side of us on the critical issues over time. And it's all good. It's all good. I don't, that is not healthy. That's not okay. And like, there, there's another thing I just want to mention. Like everyone thinks, oh, you know, the right is more base than ever. And we're, you know, Trump has made us, we're not neocon. It's illusory. This movement to the right is illusory. It's all relative. So the left took 10 steps to the left. So we're now fighting on that degree of territory. So the right will be two steps more you know, energetic against it than they were before. But on net, you're negative eight. You didn't, you're not plus two, you're negative eight. 
Think about that. That's where we are with the conservative movement. So yeah, like, you know, Republicans are, broadly speaking, more aggressive on immigration. But the issue got worse, and what it's going to take to get out of it is, is much stronger. All the while, quietly, in the way it actually matters, they still support the employment. Every single Republican governor, except for DeSantis, by the way, still supports the cheap labor. All of them are in on it. They'll complain about the border, but then some of them will downright make it current law even worse. We saw this with the Idaho and... um. Oklahoma governors, they actually wanted to grant driver's licenses to illegals. Didn't happen yet. Didn't make it through the legislature, but they wanted. We are not better off than we are. Any measure, if you look at the median ideology of the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter of a Republican red state senator and governor, we are not better off than we were before. And the reason is what I just said. That is the reason. So anyway, I do want to get to some of the issues today, what actually does matter. Um, first, our final sponsor of this segment is our friends at QPGoatSoap.com. You are what you eat, but you also are what you put on your body and gets absorbed through your skin. I have sensitive skin. A lot of what you have, that cheap bar of soap, Dove, and Zest, it's almost like the soap equivalent of processed food. QP goat soap is natural, all natural ingredients from goat milk, and they are now making all these amazing scents that will you know, make your bathroom smell better, your body smell better. They also have laundry soap I started to use. You could check it out uh, where with uh, one scoop in your washing machine, you could have the scent on your body all day. Amazing different ones for men, for women. Um, and then you get to support one of our own parallel economies, Christian homeschooling family in Florida, 16-year-old entrepreneur, uh, one of our greatest sponsors, QPGoatSoap.com. Make sure to use promo code Daniel for 10% off. So again, the NDAA, that, that is going down. And, 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 and we're going to see what happens there. Also, the budget bills. Freedom Caucus sent a letter to McCarthy and said, you know, look, we do not want the debt ceiling deal to affect the budget bills. We need to do better. Rather than crafting the budget bills off of McCarthy's garbage debt ceiling deal levels, start from scratch with each appropriation bill and get the right levels of spending and the right um the right policies. Now, there's one thing I want to say off the bat that's an important talking point if you hear pushback when you call your member of Congress. They're going to say, look, you're making all these demands. We have a narrowly narrow majority, diverse Republican conference, which means a bunch of rhinos. And look, you know, it's important that we pass these bills to get the leverage over the Democrats so don't be so finicky about the types of amendments you want because we're not going to have time, you know, to pass a proper NDA with all the amendments, all 12 appropriation bills, and then get to some of these other reauthorization bills. Now, there's one retort I have to that. There's something called the August recess. Now, can I ask you, do you plan on taking off the whole August? I mean, I'm going to take off three days, but I'm not taking off all of August. 
And in fact, it's often the first, I forget when Labor Day is this week, but if Labor Day is like the 7th or so, it's the first week of September too. And then they come back like, oh, we only have, uh, you know, uh, 10 legislative days left until the end of the fiscal year. Yeah, but, you know, if this is really this important, which it is, uh, let me put it this way. What if you would show the American people that you are serious, McCarthy were to hold a press conference and say, here are the existential threats, the cost of living, the cultural rockout, the border, the green energy stuff, what it's doing, the biomedical tyranny, Ukraine, but not in the way he believes. And we are going to work the entire August recess and one by one go through each area of budget and get this right. That in itself would resonate with the public. Just that attitude, this can-do work ethic. How about if we did that? That's number one, what a sane movement that actually believed in something would be pressuring McCarthy to do. But McCarthy is becoming an extension of Trump that because he's like Mitt Trump, so they won't pressure him on anything. So you're left to these like 20, 25, 30 members of Congress are doing it alone without any air support from a supposed movement. We have more talkers, more noisemakers that have more subscriptions and listeners and making more money than ever, but they're doing nothing with it. Pathetic. That's number one. And then you get in there and you start from the beginning. And you get it right. And if the committees don't don't have all the stuff we want in there, um, the Conservatives on Rules Committee, Chip Roy, Thomas Massey, and Ralph Norman need to make sure that those amendments are voted in on the floor. That's the reality. That's what we need to do on each one of these. And and Chip is going to have a letter he's circulating to members of Congress on the pandemic and hazard reauthorization. That we cannot allow BARDA and the you know Office of Pandemic Preparedness to be reauthorized without a reckoning on what they just did to us. I mean, I, I, again, I, I, I could allow that I will focus a little deeper than other people, and that's fine. But there's got to be some level of direction of, oh, Republicans have to win the Congress. It's okay, so what the hell do you want them to do with it then? You're absent. All these good versus evil fights we're having, on every single one of them, they're absent. Including on the issues they claim to care about. That's the thing. Like Even January 6th, a lot of this with these people, it's become a circle jerk. It's like, it's become a groupiness of of grievance and just like, oh, I make my money off of being the expert on this issue, so I'm called in. Okay, th- that's great, but, but what is your direction? What specifically are you calling for? And let's galvanize support behind that. Because without it, it doesn't change. On paper, the Republican Party is more anti-illegal immigration than they've ever been. We have more illegal immigration than ever ever before. On paper, we have more Republicans against the global warming agenda, yet we have it more everywhere. You know, there's an article in Green Wire, E&E News, and so it's Energy and Environment called Green Wire. Marjorie Taylor's deep red Georgia district goes all in for green power. Now, to be clear, I have my issues with Marjorie, but... This has nothing to do with her. She voted against all this stuff, and she's not an executive. As a federal member of Congress, you don't have control over 
implementation of your district once it's passed. This is more of an issue with um, Brian Kemp, the governor. Um, they're, they're literally seeding the most conservative districts with solar energy. And so that, that, that's what the article talks about. All this solar, that her district has become a solar hotspot. But my point is, they are winning. They are on implementation, on the Green New Deal, on spending levels and, in, and all that's inducing, all the cultural change on cars and housing, on the tranny stuff, even the tranny stuff. Except for a handful of red states in certain spheres of policy, this gen- generally is still going on and getting worse. And when you have Bruce Jenner at the top promoting it, it's for sure going to get worse. Let me give you another example. John Binder of Breitbart, one of the few good writers left there, he notes the DHS appropriation bill. Well, what sort of things would you want to do in a DHS bill? Cut off all these visa programs. Well, the House Appropriations Committee approved a DHS spending bill that would blow the lid off blue-collar migration caps to the U.S., It basically spurs more H-2A visas. These are your agricultural workers. This is what we've talked about, how they seed red districts. Again, red districts. How do you turn red districts into drug trafficking, drunk driving, socially transformed, uh, you know, school district transformed districts? It's mainly agricultural interests that are doing that. You know... Some of them get married, some of them have kids, they're automatically U.S. citizens, which they shouldn't be. Oh, temporary guest worker program. Bull. Bull. So, that's continuing too. And again, there's tons of stuff I'm missing. Today is the the markup on the appropriation subcommittee dealing with state ops. So that's basically the State Department, mainly, mainly funding of the State Department. So, that's the UN, that's WHO, so there's going to be an effort to defund the WHO. We'll see what happens. But do we have a movement on the ground? I could tell you the left has multiple organizations at a policy and grassroots and, and fundraising level dealing with every one of their priorities at every subcommittee level of every bill of every leverage point. We don't have almost a single one on a single issue. And, and, and no one cares. This is unsustainable. We're not going to get anywhere like this. So it's not just all Trump over DeSantis. It's reflective of a certain fact. Like, if these people were all peddled to the metal on everything I'm talking about, albeit they had some reason they wanted Trump, I don't care. That's fine. Although, then again, if they were like that, they kind of wouldn't support Trump. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sort of answering my own qu- question. But, but what I'm trying to say is it's not personal. I don't care to, to me, if you told me, Daniel, I'm a genie in a bottle, I could give you one wish, either or, not both, you either get your preferred guy for presidential nominee, or you get something like a complete focused movement on down-the-ballot candidates and, more importantly, issue, issue advocacy. I would take the latter a million times over. But what I'm telling you is, Part of the problem is we, we need the former in order to get the latter because unless you dislodge this movement, you're not going to get focus on substance, even though theoretically you could and should. So that's where we are 
on this issue. Um, we don't have time for that much more, but I want to at least cover one other issue, the CPI number. So you're seeing all these headlines that inflation is going down, CPI down for the 12th consecutive month, relief to consumers. If I came from Mars, I saw those headlines, what I would think, and I think you guys would, would think as well, is that, oh, so, you know, I don't know, a loaf of bread was $2, and now one month it went to 190 and then went to 180 and went to 170 12 consecutive months, and now it's down to a dollar, right? I mean, isn't that what you would think? It No. There's a difference between a slowing of the rate of inflation. Inflation means increase, right? So by definition, it means you're, you're increasing. It's just the rate relative to before is decreasing versus the cost of living has gone down. No, no, no. So what what, what happened was, let, let me you again use a, a loaf of bread to give an example. So basically, you have, whenever you have an existential crisis like COVID, or in the spring of 2022, last year, the Ukraine-Russian embargo that just shocked the consciousness with the supply chain crisis, the, I mean, this just shocked the consciousness, and, and most evidently with food and fuel, and then trickled down to everything else. So you don't expect that you're going to have that level increase of the spring-summer 2022 in every successive month, right? So for example, a loaf of bread is a dollar. And then one month, it goes up to $3 in one month or an annualized pace of tripling. 300% increase. I'm just going to exaggerate to prove a point. And then the next month, it goes from $3, it was, remember it was at a dollar, it goes to $6. Technically, you could run a headline and say, year-over-year inflation is down because the rate of inflation was 300%, and now it's 200%. It was tripling, now it's doubling. That's how that it is. You could technically say that, and it's technically true. And then the next month, it says $6, and you know what? This is really good. It only goes to $9, 50%. But you look back, and you're like, what the hell? I don't care what your names with games with the numbers are. It used to be a dollar and now it's freaking nine dollars. So I mean I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's kind of what it was. It was first a rate of like 10%, then nine, then eight, then seven, and now it's down to three overall and 4.8% core inflation. But here's the deal. If I have a reason that the supply chains would go haywire and, and take a loaf of bread from a dollar to two dollars. You would expect that when that is over with, you would go back to a dollar or at least maybe a dollar five or something, dollar seven, right? That, that's what you would hope. And that's not deflation. Deflation is when it's stable, long-term 2%. So then it goes to 2.5, it goes down to 1.5. So you don't want like deflation because that, that has its own issues. Okay, I, I, I get that. You'll have a little baseline in there. Increase. But when you have a shocking thing like that, and that thing goes away, you're going to have a reversal. It's just like GDP numbers. You can't look at 
the post-COVID GDP numbers because we lost 40% of GDP, literally, in first and second quarter of 2020. So then obviously, once you had the reopening, you gained back most of it, but it was permanently lethargic. Like, oh, it went, no, but like, of course you expect. So the COVID supply chain shortage should be long, long over. The Russian crisis supply chain shortage should be over with. We should be going back to where we were when Biden took office. Okay, I want to make it very clear. That's where we should be going back to. That level. And especially because Biden did two very painful things that that worked to slow inflation. Number one, they're still raiding the strategic petroleum reserves. It's now almost half of what it was before. And number two, the quickest pace of, of interest rate increases of all time that's creating this cliff we talked about with housing and many things and credit markets and lending that's creating this huge subtle cliff and inversion curves that, that really is, is going to ultimately lead to a recession within the next year, no doubt about it. So inflation might actually ultimately go down, but it will come at a cost. But despite all of that, all of the factors are over with, they raised interest rates like, like there's no tomorrow. We are still worse off now than we were at the peak. Last July was biblical, right? Last July, the summer, you couldn't travel. It was food, fuel, everything. At the end of the day, inflation, we are three, it's 3% higher. We're like, well, the pace would have been 10% higher. Yeah, at the end of the day, we we haven't even reversed the peak, much less we we've gone up. It's up three percent on core inflation, up four point eight percent from the peak, much less when Biden took office. So and and by the way, a lot of things are up even a lot more than three percent. It's just offset because almost the entirety of the decrease is gas and certain utilities. But because that's like down like like energy like gas gasoline's down 26.5%. But even that is illusory. Meaning meaning like this. It's only the things that went up the most are obviously down a little bit off the peak but still very high and then many other things not only aren't off the peak they're still going up. Food at home, food at home, it's a category, is up 5.7% relative to last July. Electricity, up 5.4%. New cars, up 4.1%. Again, this is off the crazy baseline. Medical care, up 4.2%. Shelter, up 7.8%. Transportation, up 8.2%. Now you want to go and compare to when Biden took office? Forget it. So let me give you an example with gas. So gas last July, believe it or not, was $4.75 a gallon. Now it's down to $3.66, I, I believe. So that's a huge whopping, it's like you know dropping almost a quarter, right? That's responsible for all of it. 
But do you feel solace, not just in the other things, but even in gas? No, because 366 sucks. Because when Biden took office, it was 245. So it went up from 245 to 475. Now it's down to 366 and kind of permanently vacillating in the mid threes. That's the new permanent normal. That's the, it's like economic grooming, what they're doing. It's bull. If anything, it shows the durability of the inflation that despite all of that and the interest rate, it's still not cooling off. You would think it's got to come down a little bit. And when I say come down, not the way they're defining it, meaning you actually go negative on an annualized rate month over month. We're not. Not at all. And that's because of the debt, because of the Federal Reserve, and there's no one who wants to do anything about it. And then certainly the supply doesn't help either, the supply side regulations and global warming regs and all of that. So let me give you an example. I'm not even going back to COVID. You go back to pre-COVID, the numbers are worse than what I'm saying. But I have in front of me January 2021, relative to when Biden took office. The overall CPI, meaning the entire basket of what you're paying is 17% higher today than it was then, period. That is all that matters. Food. I'm, I'm rounding a little bit here. 20% higher. Electricity, 26% higher. Gasoline is still up 53%. Apparel, 11%. New cars, 20%. Shelter, 16%. Transportation up 27%. And you look at food, especially the things you need, rice, bread, uh, cereal, fruits and vegetables, are really, really still surging actually now. And again, like you go to chicken and meat, it's a little bit down and maybe even reversed, legitimately reversed a little bit. But again, that was the biblical peak. So the things that went up the most, like, you know, you have a shock to the thing, it doubles in price in a month. Yeah, we're off the peak, but clearly the trend line is, even if it continues to slow even more, we're going to have a permanent baseline that shocks the consciousness. So I just wanted to make that clear. You know, all these headlines are complete bull. They're creating a false expectation that, like, you're going to continue to have doubling of prices every month or something. No. The expectation should be that pre-Ukraine, we were at a very high baseline. So, certainly, at this point, we should at least be at the pre-Ukraine baseline or close to it. Could add 2%. The point is, I could I could go and give you shows on CPI every day, and and I think this is important to get out. But what it, it's fine to do educational shows, and we do it all the time. But ultimately, it's got to lead to something. What is it you want to do with it? Then, what are your action items? What is it you want to accomplish? Because if you don't have them and you don't push them, you won't get it. Because the Republican Party is not built towards those achievements. And that's just the way it is. We don't have time for this garbage. We don't have time for pontification and, you know, people to ruminate about their stuff. And, oh, this guy is like, has, you know, yeah, this this former MMA guy has some great insights. 
I mean, really? Notice the issues and people and primaries and legislation that never gets promoted. It's all groupiness. I'll never forget. Nobody ever heard of Neil Gorsuch when he was appointed, when Trump nominated him. And I'm not, I'm not even begrudging it now. I'm not trying to talk negative. I'm just giving an example. No one heard of it. He was not on any of Trump's lists that he promised. He was an obscure judge on the, on the 10th Circuit. No, no one, no one knew, knew of him. The minute he was nominated, the first 10 right-leaning influencers on Twitter were like, Gorsuch, have you ever, this is unbelievable. And then everyone else was like, oh, Gorsuch, Gorsuch. It was the funniest thing. And it's like, that, that's how conservative media is. Conservative media is built upon the dumbest, most self-defeating, vacuous human beings alive. It really is. Like, I admire the left. They actually believe in things. They work towards them. These people are pathetic. They will negate the, the very interest that they claim to care about. There's, there's a degree of patheticness about that that supersedes everything. I just I can't relate to these people anymore. Again, I'm, I'm talking about the people that will roughly say what I'm saying. They'll use the you know, apocalyptic language that I do, which I believe we are in. We're going to die if they do this. Our civilization is going to crash. We, have, we live in a dictatorship. It's the Fourth Reich. Well, if your rhetoric is, is, um, is in that, up to that level, well, you have an obligation for your ideas and action items to match that level of intensity, which mine do, because I genuinely believe we're screwed. And yet, it doesn't. And that tells me that even when they say the right things, it's just because it's a nice talking point. It's a nice talking point, so I'll use it today. We're on a little treasure hunt today, a fishing expedition. Oh, that, 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 that's a good talking point. Let me use that for my cable news hit, and you know, this I'll use that for my article, I'll use that for my tweet. And that's nice, but but there's no continuity of agenda from day to day, follow through, like we do here. And that's why I need you guys to help elevate this show. Send it to every one of your friends and relatives. You know, even if you disagree with me, you'll you'll learn new things. I'm not gonna insult your intelligence and just kind of repeat the same stuff, you know, that everyone else is more or less is saying. We'll take it to the next level. To also give us five stars with a comment on iTunes really does help. Let me know if you disagree with me, if I'm being too harsh. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? 
Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Mm -hmm.